Welcome to Fanboy News Network, your guide to geek culture. I'm Jeff Harris. And I'm Daniel Christensen. So, uh, here we are. Welcome back. It's been a month. It's been a month, and hey, it's no, no longer a round episode, so I, have, so I wanted to show up and say that. Well, there we go. And uh, for once, we aren't right on the cusp of a, you know, event. Well, unless you count Aladdin. Doesn't Aladdin count? Um, I'm not going to burn our swear word this early. <laughs> is is what I'm not going to do. Uh, Aww. So we'll, we'll get there in a minute. So uh, let's talk about what we have seen recently. Oh my. Uh, obviously, we've both seen Avengers Endgame. Yes. And we're Gone kind of, with the Wind, part two. We're kind of in a... Hang on a second. Ah, I reset myself in the chair. So we're kind of in a weird... The spoiler gates have certainly opened. Yes. I think there are certain spoilers that are probably more well-known and prominent than others. Cough, cough, cough. Tom Holland, cough. Oh. Yeah. So I think... I certainly am willing to talk about broad strokes of the movie... Uh, but certain uh, character resolutions, shall we say? Fair enough. Let's leave. Let's leave open. I think. I think the one we're safe talking about, that because uh, next month Spider Man Far From Home comes out. So Spider Man comes back. So Spider Man comes back. So okay, char- we're set. Characters who died in the f- last movie aren't dead at the end of this movie. True. It is a true Sorry, statement. I, I, I had to I had to do the mental inventory because you know it's a long list. Yeah. So, but uh, I'm, so all right. Let me describe my experience seeing this movie. I mean, we both I think can say we like the movie. Oh yes, we're geeks. Yeah, well, and this is a a very successful geek based movie. I I haven't double checked. Has it, has it hit two billion dollars yet? Oh, it hit two billion in the second week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, has it hit three yet? Oh, great. Has, has it overtaken Avatar as the biggest moneymaker of all time? Wow. Or how, how both starring, soon? Both starring Zoe Saldana, by the way. Nicely done. Yes, true. She's Zoe, you're clearly a good luck charm. Yes. Uh so my experience in it, we last time we talked, we were of course, as we said, on the cusp. Yes. And I talked extensively about my plans to go see Avengers Endgame at the drive-in. Yeah, I have to say those were some meticulous plans you had. And they, the the only flaw <laughs> was the amount of liquid you were consuming. <laughs> no, actually, because I read the Avengers when to go to the bathroom guide. Ah, yes. And then made up the scenes I'd missed on that from my second viewing. Fair enough. No, the only flaw was I hadn't anticipated the fact that a bucket of chicken in a car isn't the most efficient no. way to eat. I would have been better off with pizza or something along those lines. Popcorn, maybe. I had popcorn. Oh, sorry. I had popcorn. I had I had a bucket of chicken. I had popcorn. I had red vines. I had I had soda. I was set. So if a guy in all black that speaks in all capital letters shows up sometime soon, just saying. <laughs> you know what's funny? I still have most of the red vines. Oh, good. You know, and, and the chicken. I didn't eat all the chicken. Yeah. I, I had some for lunch the next day. Of course. You know, that was part of the plan. Okay. But uh, seeing it at a drive-in. So the pros and cons of seeing Avengers Endgame at the drive-in. The pro. I got to see it. 
preview night where I couldn't hear anyone else seeing it with me. That That's a mixed blessing. But that also means they couldn't hear me. True. You, they could not hear you squeal like a fanboy when certain important things happened. Right. And I did. Oh, wow. Because I had the freedom to squeal and punch the ceiling of my car. Yep. And have all kinds of fanboy geek outs because I was in a self-contained environment and no one cared. Okay. Uh, and I think that's the biggest takeaway. The, the con, the con is it's a drive-in theater. There is going to be ambient light no matter how dark it is. The uh, visual fidelity wasn't as sharp, even though it was digital projection. There were certain details where it's like a couple characters that I didn't actually catch where they were until my second viewing in a proper theater because it's just the nature of a drive-in. It's not like you were watching the Battle of Winterfell. You know, it's not like you were seeing something that is black on black with black. No, but I did miss the Howard the Duck cameo the first time. There was a Howard the Duck. There was a Howard the Duck cameo. I can tell you exactly where he is. I also no no no. no. I I also missed the appearance of uh, of General Ross in uh, a big group scene near the end of the movie. Okay. Um, But with that said, it was still. I had a great time. Oh yeah. I did see it again in the theaters later. Mm-hmm. And uh, although in a moment I'll touch on my problem I had when I saw it in a regular theater, mm-hmm. which had nothing to do with the movie. How about that? Uh, I am planning on the 31st, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, is coming out. And my friend Tony, who is the producer of the Video Nasty Project, uh, on which I am a reviewer. Yeah. And I are getting together. He's going to come over. We're going to head to the drive-in. And we're going to see Godzilla as God intended. In Japan? In a drive-in. Oh, okay. Close second. So, (laughs) yeah. No, my my only issue with the second time I saw it. And I haven't seen a movie in the theater where I didn't come in until... All right, so... Avengers is the last movie I saw in the theaters where I saw the pre-video package they do so they can have advertising. Oh, right. But when I saw Avengers Endgame, they had one of the commercials was a Charmin commercial. (laughs) And this Charmin commercial, Daniel has heard me already bitch about this, folks. There's your one. (laughs) Uh, Bitch is a lot on TV, so it doesn't count. Uh where the Charmin bear was there holding a glass of water, talking about now is the time for the, the, the pre-movie go. A- advising people now might be a good time to go to the bathroom. And as he's saying this, he is slowly pouring out the glass of water. I think it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. In the theater, which still had a significant audience, I very loudly said, that was uncalled for. <laughs> and everyone went, yeah, laughed and went, yep. Yep. And then half of us got up and went. Yep. Uh, but yeah, and I don't know if that's a... Ever, and when I posted online, everyone was talking about the length of the movie and going to the bathroom. I was like, this had nothing to do with the Avengers. And everything to do with how dare Charmin. You know, that... How dare they? Rule number one of advertising is know your audience. They knew that that was a three-hour movie. They but, had, but was this was not specific to the Avengers. But there, you're still talking about it. How many weeks later? Yes, because it was. I'm waiting to see when I go to see a movie in the theater. 
where I do finally catch the package. Is that still going to be in there? Doubt it. Uh, we will see. Well, we will see, and if so, we will have words. But you will know right away. Oh, I'm, I'm sure I will hear the wailing and gnashing of teeth from from the other side of the city. Um, but the thing of it is, is I mean, we're talking these days. There is that thing of cutting edge marketing. Just not. What was it? So, uh, what was it? It was episode. Five of Game of Thrones season eight, where there was the errant Starbucks cup that showed up, and everyone was losing their minds over it. This it gives away nothing in the story. Don't worry about it. You don't have to go la 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 or I don't watch Game of Thrones. Um, but so there was the Starbucks cup that showed up. Within a week, uh, the new Men in Black movie had a trailer. Where they say, where they there was this showdown between Chris Hemsworth's character and an alien, and he stands up and they zoom in on a coffee cup that's sitting on his desk, and they say, "Got something you want to forget?" And it's a capital G, a lowercase O, and a capital T. Got something you want to forget? And they pull out their sunglasses and give you the little flash in the screen and said, "You saw nothing." Oh, less than a week after the, the Starbucks Cup incident on Game of Thrones. Mm. So whether or not Charmin was planning on doing that before Endgame came out, some brilliant marketer came up with that, and I hope they enjoy every last dollar of that bonus that they earned. All right. I just still it was one of those, How I still hold to how dare you. Yeah, well, both can be true. Uh, yeah. So, uh, again, I really enjoyed Endgame. Uh, I think the one thing that I take away that mm -hmm. I will talk, uh, again, I won't go into character resolution, but for character arc, uh, the character arc that I became have become invested in, and when this character first appeared in the franchise, I would not have predicted mm -hmm. my level of I care. Nebula. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, played by uh, Karen Gillan from Doctor Who. Yep. And many other things. Uh because Jumanji, Jumanji, yeah. Well, because Nebula in the comics is a very minor character. I mean, she is lower tier than the Guardians themselves. So you know, she—the only reason she had significance was due to her familial relationship to Thanos. Exactly. Which in the comics is granddaughter. Eh. But uh, I think the fact that a they brought her back in Guardians Two and gave her a, a, a even more significant arc. Mm -hmm. Then she had really significant actions in Infinity War. By the time you get to Endgame, it's suddenly, all right, this character has a lot of weight going on, a lot happens, and they, within the movie, illustrate how far she has come from who she was to who she has become. And the fact that she cannot bear the thought of sliding back into who she was. Yeah. She has come too far, and... It was like, okay, great. And the fact that I can't wait to see what's next. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, I mean, if it was just a retread of the books or the comics, it, it wouldn't have the same impact. I mean, they, they had to bring that they're not skimping. I mean, this is the 22nd installment, for goodness sakes. Well, not only that, but I largely was able to predict a fair number of actions in Infinity War because I'd read the comics. Oh, yeah. Endgame? Oh, no. They 
they weren't basing that on any they took elements from certain comics but this was not based on anything they had done before they were like no we are doing our own whole cloth thing see it's it's funny you say that because as we have well established through this show you are the one who has read chapter and verse since they were coming out since you were basically you know all but using your lunch money to buy the comics I am late to the game, as I have always been. And yet, watching Endgame, I could pretty much say beat for beat, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Right. My point I'm making is none of that was from any of the source material. Okay. This is the Russos went, okay, we see where we want to go with our story arc. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's do this. And... Not based on anything Marvel had ever done in any, especially in any of their Infinity-based yeah. books, or even any of their Avengers-based books. Interesting. So it was, uh, which is fine. They they had their story to a certain point, and then they also had the "We know where we're going," so this movie has to basically wrap up Chapter One. Wow. If you look at the first twenty-two movies as Chapter One. <laughs> And set up for chapter two. Yeah, Old Testament, New Testament. But um, yeah, the the thing that I want to add because we've been kind of gushing on this for for a bit. Um, you, the 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 specific phrase that you use, going somewhere, mm-hmm. and I think that was my my biggest critique of Endgame, is that they were trying to wrap up twenty one movies worth of oomph. And the best way that I can describe it is, so several years ago, I took a road trip. And I remember. No- nominally, it was for me to go to Boston on a motorcycle. And it was lovely. Um, but added into that was, I was doing a challenge ride for the motorcycle, for the Iron Butt Riders Association, that was... 50 national parks in 25 states in two weeks. Um, Which is great and wonderful. And it worked out to about 20 minutes per national park for me to be able to do that and be able to make all the rides in between and still make it in, in under the two weeks. How much of those national parks do you think I saw while holding still? Yeah, probably mm. the entrances. I was going to say the entrance and the gift shop. And that was about it. Um, so it's one of those things where it just, even at three hours, they had so much. There was It was like a freight train. And even some of the, the really inspiring moments, the things that even little semi-illiterate nerd like me had me cheering from the back row um, it was like, okay, we've had that and next and set up for next and next. And there's, I mean, there's one particularly inspiring, shall we say, team up event that happens. And it was this moment of awesome. And it was over because we're on to the next. Well, yeah. I mean, snaps for effect because, you know, it's. Infinity War. Sure. But sure. Also gives 
Also, I can tell where things are in the the sound in the uh, wave file. Exactly. So, uh, sure, no fair, but uh, in the end, if you're going to do something epic, I mean, you're going to end up with a couple of different ways it's going to happen. You have to, you know, you either have a story with enough breathing room that you, you know. Let's put it this way. To, to pace it out, they would have needed a whole other movie just to be the epilogue. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, they they had to tie the story up. As it is, a three-hour movie. Yeah. Uh, because that's how much they had to tie up. On the other hand, there are very few arcs from the previous 21 movies that didn't get some f- aspect of resolution. True. And from that, they do have the freedom of, okay, now we can go forward. And again, they've got things that aren't 100% resolved. They're also not done making movies in this franchise. Oh, hell no. So, but I think part of it was also, and I don't feel this is spoiler territory, to say they have a certain number of actors whose contracts are up and have decided maybe now is time to move on from the franchise. Which, by the way, creates a very interesting divergence from the source material. What? what, The fact that people are actually allowed to retire? Yeah. So in the comics, it's a well-known trope. And doesn't matter what company, as long as you're well, as long as you're talking about the big two, indie books get away with all kinds of stuff. But if you're talking about a Marvel or a DC book, if they have somebody else take over the role of a major character or have something else happen to a major character, you can bet within 24 months, two years, the previous status quo will be reestablished. Witness the uh, two different times Steve Rogers had to be removed as Captain America in the comics. The first time when Bucky took over and the second time when Sam took over. In both cases, fans just knew it was a countdown until Steve Rogers either turned out back alive or the degenerative condition he had that caused him to pass the, the shield to Sam was reversed. Yep. But when an actor retires from a movie franchise, their choices are either we have to just retire the character or we have to recast. And frankly, in the Marvel movies... The actors have become uh, tightly entangled with their characters. Yeah. So no one is going to accept new actors playing. They got away with it once. And that was... Hulk? Yes. And to a minor extent, Rhodey. Uh, War Machine. Yeah. Uh, But Rhodey was very much a side character in the first movie. They were able to kind of get away with that. And Hulk, it was just a necessity. Uh, But at this point... In the franchise, we're so far down the road, I defy you even to replace those two. Oh, yeah. No, no. They're, they're, it's. I mean, yes. Gone are the days of Lou Ferrigno. It is Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. You know, it is... There. Never mind all the other people who have been Hulk in between, because I can't even tell you who they are, because they weren't that really, I mean, significant for me. But... You know, no, they, those characters are established, and I do have to give my hats off to them in that respect for... Letting people go. Yeah. Well, A, it's money. But B, it's like if the actress decide, I, I can't. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's very well known that 
Robert Downey Jr. was his contract was up, mm-hmm. and so was uh, Chris Evans. Again, I'm not saying what their resolutions were, but in those two, we knew there was resolutions. Yeah. So anything going forward with those characters' legacies will most likely have to be done with other characters. Yeah. Uh, what it means is when those status quo changes happen in the cinematic universe, they're permanent. Yeah. The only permanent change I can ever point to in all of comics history is the death of the original Captain Marvel in the Marvel comics, Marvel. Uh, and he had three successors prior to Carol Danvers. Uh, and then Carol came, but I promise you now Carol is locked in oh, as yeah. Captain Marvel because, A, the movies have now locked her in as Captain Marvel. She is public consciousness, that character. And the comics seem to have pretty much stabilized on, okay, it's Carol's role now. Well, and frankly, you know, I, I, I'm not going to get too far into to general world commentary. However, I will say that a lot of women who I know and love and respect are about this far away from burning it all down. And I think taking away Carol Danvers out of Captain Marvel would be the tipping point. That certainly, it could be a tipping point. It, it could be one of the many, but that could yeah. be, and one more thing. Yeah. But I, the point is that, that if they do a change in the movies, A, it'll probably be more organic. Mm-hmm. And, and B, that's where things can lock down. I guarantee you that... 50 years from now, in the comics, you probably will still have Steve Rogers as Captain America and Peter Parker as Spider-Man. True. No argument. So I, I'm not planning on being around in 50 years, but I have no doubt in my mind. Right. So, um, moving on, because we've... Because we've we've been on this, it, it deserved the wait. You're true. Uh, other movies I've seen recently. So, well, uh, oh, 22 minutes, 22 movies. So, yeah, yeah. perfect timing. There we Moving go. On. Um, so, on the smaller movie front, yes, uh, some movie from last year, smaller film, uh, but with a Marvel tie-in. Yes, uh, we have always lived in the castle. Interesting. Okay. So it is based on a novel by the same name from Shirley Jackson. Shirley Jackson would be best known as the author of The Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. which became the movie The Haunting, uh, the bad remake The Haunting, and then the excellent Netflix series The Haunting of Hill House. Also from the uh, wonderfully written and disturbing horror short story The Lottery. Okay. So We Have Always Lived in the Castle is very much her lurid gothic tale. A lurid gothic tale. Let's put it this way. My very gothic sister hard imprinted on this book. So we're watching, last Friday, the movie adaptation. And Jill is both anticipating and dreading the experience. With good reason. And fortunately, in this adaptation, anticipation won out. Okay. It was a surprisingly faithful adaptation. We only know one point we can really point to where they deviated from the book, and it made sense in film context. And it wasn't a huge point, but also gave a better resolution to a portion of the story. 
Um, uh, one of the characters the, uh, is played by Sebastian Stan, <laughs> Winter Soldier. So that's the Marvel tie-in. Bucky. There is a wonderful uh, character in the movie uh, played by Crispin Glover. Not doing his normal kind of slightly crazy shtick. Not chewing on the scenery? No. Very decidedly for, not hey, chewing on the scenery. For a lurid goth tale, that's saying something. So It's his. It's a very well-restrained part. Um, Restrained? Yeah, no, it's weird, but it's 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 very good. And so I, this is a movie I would highly recommend. If you're into... it's And it's called not, again? We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Okay. And it is, it is a story Stephen King would feel comfortable with. Uh, even though it's called The Castle, it's actually a, a, a manor. Mm-hmm. It is set in America. It's set about the 50s. All right. And uh, it's just they refer to the manor at time, is towards the end referenced as The Castle. And I'm not going to go into in-depth because it would take a while. And I have other things I want to move on to. Okay, then. And the final movie I want to talk about that I've seen recently is John Wick 3 Parabellum. Oh, my. And, yeah. No, I've seen the entire John Wick series at this stage. And uh, what I will say is it is a series that has been amazingly consistent. Okay, then. If It's a case of if you enjoyed John Wick 1, you probably enjoyed John Wick 2. And if you enjoyed John Wick 2 probably enjoyed John Wick 3. Okay. Uh, it is very much competency porn. Among others, yes. Also gun porn. Yes. Well, here's an interesting thing. Somebody said, is it really gun porn, or could it be better stated as gun romance? Dude, it's gun cocky. It's, it, it, there, there is no two... There's just... You know me. I am the one that has the that actually has a, a, a measurable squick meter. Mm-hmm. I I do enjoy, I have enjoyed the first two movies. I am waiting until the third movie comes out on the small screen before I watch it. Because, sure. wow, those things are violent. Oh, yeah. And that does not lessen in this film. Yeah. So. And, uh, yeah. The other interesting thing I uh, noted in this movie, even stated, all three John Wick movies mm-hmm. take place from the beginning of one to the ending of three Probably take all of three weeks. I thought there was a longer gap in between the first and the second one. No, they actually call out the time frame in the movie. Okay. Uh, so it's it's not long. We're, we're talking weeks at best between when everything started in one and where we end up in Parabellum. So you're saying this episode, this season of 24 has really kicked it up a notch, huh? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that's all I have on movies. What, what, what have you seen recently? Uh, you know, truth to tell, I have not seen anything else in the theater besides uh, uh, Endgame. Uh, the one that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, uh, there's some logistics, error, some logistics problems that we're running into, and I'm really hoping that I get a chance to see it before it leaves, uh, is a movie called Shadow. Okay. Uh, this, this is a movie uh, by Zhang Yimou. He's the most famously known for doing the movie Hero about 20 years ago. And let's just be clear. When we're talking Hero, we're talking the hero that starred Jet Li. Yes, the hero starring Jet Li, Donnie Yen, Partridge, Pear Tree, yeah. and half of the, literally half of the Chinese Red Army. Um, 
beautiful, stunning, one of the most visually intoxicating movies I have ever seen in my life. Uh, in the words of someone we both know and hold in higher esteem, um, it's like an opera, only they use, instead of arias, you have sword fights. Yeah. It is incredible. And so this is a similarly shot um, movie. The difference is, is that in the hero, everything was very richly saturated. Mm -hmm. Like uh, uh, Fury okay. like Fury Road turned to 11. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is 100% desaturated. It is <laughs> black and white with one extra color. And it's a kung fu movie, so you can kind of guess it's red. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited to see that, but that is the only other thing that I have to note on the big screen. Okay. Well then let's turn our eyes to the small screen. And here I have to defer to you because you've actually seen the series ah. and I've only been reading spoilers. Uh, but, a uh, speaking of culminating sweeping epics, yep. uh, Game of Thrones ended recently yep. as in for us as our, this recording days. Yep. Our watch has ended. Um, okay. Before I get too far into it, mm -hmm. I want to say that I am incredibly worn out of people complaining about things that were seemed out of character. And well, there's there's two scopes of complaint. There is the people acting out of character, and the everything is so rushed and abridged. To the everyone, to the people who say everything is rushed and abridged, he spent seven years putting pieces on the board. The only way that that could change that 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 could get a decent resolution is if you spent seven more years taking all the pieces off the board. There's just no two ways about it. Yes, maybe if they had strung it out to two ten season episodes or two ten episode seasons, that you might have had a little better resolution. But um, as far as the people acting strangely, have we been watching the same show? Everything for the last six seven seasons has been, oh, wow, that was a surprise. I wonder what's going to happen next. Not, oh, wow, that was a surprise. Screw this. I'm never watching it again. So there's that aspect. The other aspect of it is that, okay, I'll just come out and say it. I don't think that George R.R. R. Martin will ever publish both books. And resolve, the, and resolve the series. I just don't. It's nothing against him. It is nothing, no commentary on him or anything else. It is just the fact that it's not going to happen. I firmly believe that in my heart of hearts. That, you know, maybe whoever it was, Brian Anderson or whoever, it is, Kevin Anderson gets dragged into to finish it or whatever. But it will still be based on notes, not him actually doing it. And I'm okay with that. You know, it's it's been a story from the get-go. I don't need to delve into the nuances of, well, I think this and I think that. Well, what does this mean? Well, it didn't mean anything. Well, maybe it does. I enjoyed the show. I thought it was amazingly done. I thought it was amazingly produced. The special effects, the costumes, the writing, the acting, all were off the hook for eight years. You know, well, eight seasons, ten years. 
I think it's great. I think it's something to stand the test of time. All right. <clears throat> I don't have as much an opinion because I stopped was watching several seasons ago. Yeah. And about the time uh, Tyrion crossed the Narrow Sea. Okay. It's about the time I stopped watching. Okay. And so I've only been keeping up on with spoilers. Okay. So I don't have emotional investment. Uh, the only thing I find interesting, and I was discussing this with my friend Jim uh, from uh, Don't Read the Latin. I was going to say celebrities hate me. Yeah, him. Uh, is there was a Reddit thread where somebody posted spoilers. Here's what's going to happen in the final season. Yes, I'd heard about that. And based on the final episode, this was legit. They had legit information because what was posted in that thread is 100% what happened. Yep. So I think part, I would suspect some of the ire is that people have, on Reddit had a chance to get themselves worked up on those spoilers. And that when those spoilers became fact, uh, they had already been poised to go, well, that's terrible. Yeah. But I think in part because they'd been spoiled. There, there could be that. I mean, I, I'm still trying to think. We were talking about this at dinner. I am trying to think. Mm-hmm. The the only two exceptions that I have been able to, one that I was able to think of and one that you were able to provide, were MASH and Breaking Bad, where shows have ended in a way that has satisfied all the fans. And I've heard people even decry those. Yeah. So you can't satisfy everyone. Yeah, because uh, I know some people, well, for example, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. I know that one, you get both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, Farscape, yeah, where I'm happier because they got to do the miniseries to wrap up the show. Uh, the as opposed to Babylon Five, as opposed to Babylon Five, where the ending itself was great, and the problem there was the truncated fourth season because they didn't think they were going to get renewed. Yep. And then they got renewed, so they had to scramble to create a fifth season that didn't actually fit their overall plot. Yeah. So that was that was a classic. Then it wasn't the storytelling that screwed up. It was the network. Yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking of, uh, to me, the great example of not hitting it. There's a few. I have ranted. I've even ranted in writing on the website about Smallville. Smallville? Smallville did not stick the landing. Oh. They could have been, eh, that show was okay if they'd had a great ending. They didn't, so not a great ending. Uh, a show that I generally actually enjoyed, but can't stand the thought of now because of how bad the ending was. How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, that's that actually that to mind. That one actually because the they the network had ordered a sequel series, How I Met Your Father, and based on the audience reaction to the finale, canceled the order. Yeah. So the ending of a show is a tricky thing. How do you leave fans? And, and the trick is, how do you do it, complete your story, but also leave fans satisfied? Yeah. And so... Well, and that's the problem. Writers for genre fiction like mm-hmm. this, I mean, see also Glow. They're soap operas. They're, they're designed to go on and on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea of ending is like, wait, what? I don't know how to. I don't know how to end something. It's like pilots. They know how to take off. They know how to fly. It's the landing that's the tricky part. And you know that's, yeah. And that's always the challenge because things will end. 
and how do you want to leave the characters? This is why I'm always bothered by shows. There's a show that I enjoyed that I stopped watching halfway through the third season because it didn't get renewed. Yeah. And I know the season ended on a cliffhanger. You know, when you have these shows that end on cliffhangers, they don't get renewed. That was Farscape's problem. Yeah, well. Uh, but although in their case, they were told they were going to get another season, then the rug was cut out from under them. And then somebody came forward with the financing for the mini. That's the only reason it ended. Um, and so with Game of Thrones, you have the added factor of headcanon. Yeah. Of, of the, the fan communities who have their own ideas about how things should go and how things should end. And if they don't match those, they lose their mind. We've actually had... Um, the other thing I hate these days is the petitions. Oh, yeah. No, don't, don't even get me started on that. That's... That is the biggest waste of spleen I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. So for those of you who maybe don't know what I'm talking about, there was a fan petition to remake season eight with a better with a better writing team, as they put it. Uh, a, that's never going to happen because you're not going to get the actors together. They are released from their contracts. You're not. You're not going to get the ninety million dollars together to to make the right. Thing. Well, that's like the people who will let's remake Star Wars: Last yeah. Jedi. With what money? Exactly. And, you know, no, they're done. It's done. It's happened. You don't get a do-over. Uh, you know, the other thing, you know, are we... Eh, we're wrapped up on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, I have another TV thing, but the the um, petition reminded me of something we were going to talk about back in movies that okay. we skipped. Um, there will be a new Batman movie. Yes. Uh, as the sun shall always rise, as the birds shall always sing... So shall there always be a new Batman movie coming out. Of course. And uh, with uh, Ben Affleck stepping away from the role. And DC basically going, well, we screwed up any movie with him as Batman. We maybe need to do something new. Uh, they have announced a new movie, The Batman. The, as everyone par parenthetically puts in the cuss word in between those two. Yes, things. but The Batman. Uh-huh. And interestingly, there was a cartoon series called The Batman. Okay. Um, very much considered the middle of the road of the cartoon series, but that's my opinion and many fans. But The Batman, and they have announced... So I don't know if they've signed contracts, because I read some articles that keep saying there are two actors in the running, but it's pretty well settled at this point that the new Batman is going to be Robert Pattinson. Yes. Of Twilight fame. Well, of many things, including Twilight. It is what he is certainly best known for. It is not, but he is, prior to that, was in the Harry Potter series. I was going to say. He's and, Cedric Diggory. And the similar fan backlash, Oh, which I could go back, I remember back. back I'm old enough to remember. Back in the days of yore, uh, known as the 80s, Ooh. when they announced the Tim Burton Batman movie. <laughs> and they announced Batman shall be played by Michael Keaton. And everyone went, Mr. Mom is going to be Batman? No one went, Beetlejuice is going to be Batman. It was, Mr. Mom is going to be Batman? Yep. And everyone decried that, and yet it turned out he's still considered very iconic right. in that role. And I also remember there were fans decrying the casting of Christian Bale, uh, the, the kid from Newsies. See, I think of American Psycho, but yeah. Yeah, so so there's a long history of people not liking who was cast as Batman. In Robert Pattinson's case, everyone is just having a knee-jerk reaction to Twilight and not 
the body of work he's built up over the last decade where he has done some brilliant indie film work, stage work. He has built his craft and his resume. The only problem is what he's been doing since Twilight has been smaller. Yeah. But better. Low bar, but yes. And he is now at a point, he's got the right look for the role. I feel he's actually going to carry the role off quite well. But with the knee-jerk reaction, again, you get... Petitions, and I'm like, people, stop. Just stop. Petitions aren't... There are two things I want everyone to hold near and dear to their hearts that are not remote controls for life. Mm -hmm. One of those is petitions. Mm -hmm. The other is guns. Yes, well. But, uh, and so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I see that and I'm like, guys, A, it's it's a complete knee-jerk reaction without knowing. The only good thing I'm seeing happening right now is people are pushing back, showing fan reactions back in the 80s to Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah. Including, are you ready? Mm, I'm sitting down and everything. A petition. Back when you actually probably had to sign your name as opposed to click on something. Yes. See, I don't know. In the last little while, there has been an uptick in two things. One really good and really enjoyable. The other one that's, you know, not less so. Yeah. Um, the thing that I'm enjoying is there's a lot of think, thoughtful analysis, both of modern pop culture and also of, shall we say, canon or historical pop culture. You know, th- analysis of the, for example, the new Star Wars movies, where it's specifically taking point at the New Order isn't Nazis. That was that was the first series. That was the original trilogy. This, the New Order, are neo-Nazis. They're the kids who grew up, looked at the horrors of what were of what happened, and said, Hey, I want more of that. That sort of analysis where they're digging into the meat of it. They're looking at the at toxic masculinity, at the things that are growing up in the culture. That, I think, is great and wonderful, and I think we need more of it. The other thing are these knee-jerk reactions of, it isn't the way I expected it to be, therefore it is horrible, therefore it is this burned earth, scorched earth policy of, screw this and everything associated with it, or petitions, or, you know, I actually saw a great examination of that. Uh, it was only a, it was very brief within the overall story, but uh, way back when, do you remember me talking about the DC Comics uh, updated Flintstone series? Oh, right, where it was the, where they looked more human and Fred, Fred and Barney are like post war veterans. Yeah. And yeah. So in the series, one of the hooks is. That the institution of marriage is a brand new concept. Yes. And they have a commentator on Bedrock TV discussing marriage. And they say, so what are your thoughts on marriage? I disapprove. Why? Because it didn't exist when I was a child. Yes. You know, and that's and that's where you're. It's like well, this this doesn't match 
my specific expectations, therefore it's bad, which ties in again, like you talked about the toxic masculinity. It, it ties into this idea of media not made specifically for me. And if it's not made for me, the white male. Yep. Therefore it's garbage. It must be garbage. Yep. And what's churning out is, A, that's not true. Uh, in fact, these movies that they say are garbage are doing quite well, both financially and critically. They just are having a really hard time dealing with the fact that the rules have shifted somewhat on them. Yeah. You don't, you don't, it's, what's his name? Dursley from the first Harry Potter movie. Yeah. You know, 37 white male protagonists. Last year I had, there were 38. Yeah. You know? Uh, so yeah. yeah, so anyway, that's, so that's what, what's interesting is, and I think it's going to turn out he was the runner up because I think Pattinson's locked in now. Uh, the other choice for Batman was Nicholas Holt. See now, don't get me wrong. I love Nick Holt. I, I, from about a boy through all the X-Men movies, through the, uh, Fury Road, through the Tolkien thing. Dude's got some chops. I, I really mm -hmm. enjoy uh, him as an actor. Um, I don't, I mean, he's, that. that's the thing. He is an established actor. Robert Patterson, while he's got, got some, he's got two big franchises under his belt. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is a chance for him to come to shine. Yeah, we'll see. You also, okay. I don't normally nitpick on when we have little mispronunciations, oh. but you said something that I was thinking about that earlier that I think is funny. So Robert Pattinson. Yes. Uh, and you said Patterson. Okay. Uh, and so I'm waiting for some joke tying in him with the Patterson film. The Patterson. The Patterson film is the famous, everyone has seen it, Bigfoot film. Oh, right. The, 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 the cryptid Zapruder film. Yes. yes. Okay. That is called the Patterson film. So I cannot wait to see, hopefully, Bigfoot in a Batman costume. Hey, you know, yeah, they're sparkly. Whatever. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. I, uh, so shifting back briefly to television. Uh, last time I had talked about the TV series, what we do in the shadows. Yes. So I just want to say, with what we do in the shadows, what they've been doing in the shadows since we talked in the last month. <laughs> Sorry, that was right across the plate. You know, no. sometimes I just let it go. Uh, you know, nah. I, after all these years, I've learned, just let Daniel talk. It'll mm -hmm. be fine. Um, it has become appointment television amongst my circle. So uh, amongst the Friday Night Horror movie. Oh, as in you make a plan to watch it. Make a plan to watch it okay. because we're going to talk about it. Uh, it's, it is excellent. Uh, if you're a fan of the movie... And the things they're doing, they're like, okay, we're using the movie as kind of a jump-off point. Now what can we have fun with? <laughs> and I don't want to spoil for anyone who hasn't seen it, but not the last episode, but the episode before that, the cameos they had. Um, they had a very special episode. They had a very special episode, which I think also denotes what a good reputation Taika Waititi has in the film community right now. Well, yeah. So, um, definitely people he has worked with before, others he had. Let's just say that there was a theme to the guest stars, and it was a moment of sheer, you know, punch the couch brilliance. So, well, uh, I mean, it, it's funny because while the original term fan service meant usually gratuitous 
panty shots, amongst other things of yeah, that nature. Of, of that nature. Yeah. Um, there is a certain it. It reminds me of uh, while the the movie did not do it nearly as well uh, as the uh, the graphic novels did. Uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Sure. That League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was my reward as an English major for reading all the books. You ever read Anno Dracula? No. All right. If, I, if you enjoy, if that's how you felt about uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Anno Dracula, but that's a that's a that's a digression. Yeah. We are discussing uh, fan service as vis-a-vis what we do in the shadows. Yes, and but to, to be able to toss in the little things where you get it, where you, you know, I get that reference. Um, sort of thing, and so yes, I, 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 while I have not seen the that episode that, of which you speak, you have described it to me, and I think it is a lovely, lovely, uh, moment in pop culture. Yeah, and something that a lot of people would expect for a season finale, mm-hmm. and it's there's like three more episodes after it. So if if Game of Thrones has done anything, it has taught us that you don't have the cliffhanger at the season finale. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, I would recommend that. The other thing uh, you had talked about, uh, you have finally caught up or started watching Umbrella Academy. Yes. I I had been waved off by someone who thought it was too violent. I'm four episodes in and haven't seen anything that has warranted that concern. I think you should be fine then. Yeah. Um, But yes, I'm greatly enjoying it and uh, look forward to seeing what happens next. I, it reminds me of that um, interplanetary. Sure, the Warren Ellis book. The Warren Ellis book, where they kind of hang up some of the tropes. Sure. Well, and I'm sure that that was a great influence. Knowing uh, what I know of Gerard Way, mm-hmm. I would not at all be surprised if that was was not a direct influence yeah. on him. Um, so. And hey, Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis, always, always wonderful. Um, that does remind me, I saw the trailer for the HBO Watchmen series. Oh, Yes. And I just sort of shook my head. My first thought, I actually pinged somebody online and said, are we sure Alan Moore hasn't put a curse on the property? You know, he could. Yeah, it would would certainly be in character for him. I was going to say, knowing what we know from Andromeda, yeah, that could happen. Sure. So, uh, yeah. Um, All right, so I have uh, not really much to talk about in comic books right now. Uh, So I have a different digression I'd like to take. Just, Just... I have a moment where I would like you to indulge me. You know, we've been friends for how many years? Uh, cough, cough, cough. One, two, th- lots. Yeah, one, too many lots. lots. Yeah, uh-huh. um, so, I like playing video games. Really? Now, I'm not, I'm not a hardcore gamer. Anymore. By any stretch. My games, I tend to not like... Uh, Games where I have to fight against other humans because I'll get my ass kicked. But I enjoy games. Um, so, But I've never been much of a fan of Twitch. Oh, okay, yes. Which is the streaming service where people you watch people playing games. Right. Because it's like, oh, I'm watching this person play a, a game. The only time I would ever poke my head on a Twitch is if I wanted to see... Some gameplay to make a decision if I wanted to buy the game. Okay. Other than that, Twitch is like, and I'm watching somebody buy a game or play a game. Uh, that is certainly a person playing a game. 
It, well, it's cheaper than the game. Yeah. But uh, I was looking at Twitch uh, because a friend of mine was streaming, and I decided to check it out, and something popped up, and I went, well, what is this? So I went down a little rabbit hole. And are you you are aware, of course, of the world of professional wrestling. <laughs> yes. Yes, okay. I, 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 I am aware. And the World Wrestling Federation and its, its ilk. Yes. So every year... WWE puts out a th- with a the company. Oh, I'm going to forget the company's name, but they do the 2K series, so like the 2K basketball series. Okay. So they do every year a WWE 2K, and then the year right number. So it, it, it's, it's the equivalent of Madden. Yeah, yeah, for wrestling. Right. All right. So and every year they try and add something new to it. This is not the game that that company uh, puts a lot of their effort into. But they do give the ability in every iteration for players to make their own wrestler. Excellent. And in recent years, they have created the ability for not only you to create your own wrestler, but to create your own arena, to create your own title belts, and to create your own uh, shows within the, the game engine. Okay. So there has grown, and I, I think this may be in the previous iteration of the game did this too. I didn't buy that one. There is now a community on Twitch that create their own wrestling shows using 2K19 as the engine. And with and some of them are performed by some of the ones I've been watching. They're like professional voice actors where this is their hobby. Nice. Uh, if you're familiar with Team Four Star... Some of them are involved. It, uh, some people listening to this podcast will get that. Sure. But, uh, and there, uh, at least on the one I've been watching, there is a, a legit professional voice actor is one of the guys involved. So they will create their own characters, their own storylines. During promos, they will voice the characters. They have their own little wrestling federation going on in virtual. The only thing they don't control is the outcome of the matches. Well, yeah, because they uh, didn't you say that they turn it, they 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 bring in the characters, but then turn it over. So it's basically computer versus computer for yeah. the actual fight mechanics. Right. So uh, yeah, in and looking around, so there's a community that there's a specific community based around the guy's handle is Takahata101. And he has a multiverse nexus wrestling. Okay. But there are offshoots from that where other people are running. Like there's one guy who's running an entire wrestling stream where all the wrestlers are based on Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and Latex and lipstick? What? It, no, it literally, it's, it's like rangers, t- tieflings, okay. rogues. Okay. Uh, orcs are the wrestlers. Okay, then. Because the ability to create the look in the game is so robust. People can have a wide range of characters they can create. So, uh, yeah, and uh, and there are other streams not even related that just do that same thing. So it's a whole thing, and it's I've found it as an old-school wrestling fan very entertaining because the booking on the streams are much better than the current WWE booking. Well, there is that. So uh, that's what I will say about that, so. Cool. Uh, last but not least, uh, what are you reading? You know, um, th- th- my Pratchett hiatus continues. Okay. Um, 
I am currently um, I'm I'm not in a position where I'm actually where I'm able to like parse words and have uh, on on paper and have them uh, come in through my eyes. Uh, but I am spending more time. I'm finally have a the ability to go through audiobooks more, and so I am currently doing a uh, listen of. Uh, Ready Player One by Ernie Klein. Is that the one where Will Wheaton is doing yep. the reading? Oh, cool. I, I distinctly remember, I, I got to meet Ernie Klein right after the book came out. Because mm-hmm. I'd been a fan of his before he published the book. Uh, and he was joking about how when Will Wheaton signed up to do the book, A, he did the fanboy squee, but um, he told the story where apparently Will Wheaton showed up and the producer had marked all these special words that he was he was concerned that um, that Will wouldn't know how to pronounce them. Because, you know, science fiction, fantasy, they come up with new words, you know, voice actors may not necessarily know how to pronounce them. And Ernie Klein looks at the list, and the first one was Galaga. And he's like, this is Will Wheaton, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, he'll be fine. No, really. Because it was all these 80s pop culture references that the director didn't recognize but Ernie knew, and he knew that Will would know. There so. you go. So uh, last time I talked about I was going to start, uh, I had finished the Encrypted series, even though I got the name of the book wrong. Oh. I'd said, uh, That Ain't Magic, and the name of the book was That Ain't Witchcraft. Was the you last know, one. I, I, I'm willing to fault you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that, that, that is close enough. That yeah. is. But uh, so I've uh, been working my way through the Wayward Children books. By Shauna McGuire. So same author, new series. Uh, part of the reason, and I, and I realized, what book series got picked up by Showtime? Or not Showtime, Sci-Fi Channel. Because I know one of her book series, it's Way We're Children. Oh, awesome. So I'm in like the third book in that series. So the first book is Every Heart a Doorway. And what's interesting is she does this series, um, every even book, or every odd book, so one, three, so yeah. far is kind of the main storyline it's it's what's going on and it's it's dealing with care with children who have are from the earth from this world who found doorways to other worlds so like alice and the pevensies and yeah. yeah okay uh but have ended up back on earth and desperately would like to go back to the other worlds of course so there's a boarding school to help take care of these children till Either they find their way home or help them deal with the trauma of never going home. Home being the other worlds. Yes. Every even book is the story of one of the characters from the main part of the series, what their adventures in the other world was. Oh, okay. Uh, So the first book was Every Heart a Doorway. And the second book was uh, Down in the Sticks and Bones. Remembering now, they're they're very kind of long, slightly complicated titles, but Sean McGuire. Yeah, but uh, following two of the characters from the first book who went into another world based on horror movies, and and that's just sort of the pattern. And I'm going to be very interested to see how that translates to a series. Uh, I'm sure they'll have to make some changes, but um, I'm currently reading the fourth book in the series, which is. The uh, the last one that was published, but there is a fifth one coming out, and I, I am sure I will get. So I, I suspect after I'm done with this one, 
I know you want me to read Space Opera, and I want to read it, but I might move over to her other series, the October Day series, uh, just because I'm really enjoying her work right now. So yeah, no, it's 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 good stuff. Uh, she's the interesting thing with the every with the Wayward Children series, they're uh, they're well they're shorter books, they're well paced, so they're quick reads. I actually finished the first book in a day and a half. Oh yeah. Uh, but of course, you know, when I get into a book, I can, I can read voraciously, but it's, and again, it's not, it's, it's, there are certain authors who wear the way they will pace their books. You just, oh yeah, no, it, uh, it, has no, it has nothing to do with the quality of the book, nothing to do with even necessarily the page count. It's just, they will have a flow that you can just zoom through and, and I, and she is one of those. I don't know. I, I, I normally read at a glacially slow pace, but. Uh, John Scalzi books evaporate in my hands. I, I, I tear through those awful quick. So. All right. But looking at the count on the board and knowing I have to make a few edits, we're at about our normal hour point. So now it's time to say goodbye. And there we go, <laughs> folks. So if you uh, would like to get in touch with us, we can be reached through uh, fanboynewsnetwork.com. You can just leave us a message in the comment section. And we will be back again in about a month to discuss whatever shenanigans have happened in the meantime. Sounds wonderful. Y'all have a good summer. Later. This program is produced by Jeff Harris and Fanboy News Network and is copyright 2019 to Jeff Harris and Fanboy News Network. All rights are reserved, including rights to copy and redistribute this program. All music in this podcast comes from a footage firm and is used under a royalty-free license. 